0: God summons and calls us to corporate worship and he models and describes that for us. We are strengthened and sanctified through confession and through praise and then we go to his word. God is not speaking to us directly through me, though I will preach on the text, but he is speaking to us directly through this book. For those of you that have been here, we are going to finish Revelation today. How exciting, right? Those are mixed cheers, I know, but... That's okay. That's all right. If you have a Bible, this is the very, very, very end of it. It is not the end of the story, but it is the end of the Bible. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets. And with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evil doer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may, enter into the, they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say come and let the one who hears say come. Come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Almost every chapter, unfettered, unflinching picture of both justice and hope, of both the healing that comes when Jesus returns to earth to renew all things and make all things new. Unflinching about judgment and hope. I don't know how well you remember, I don't know if you've read the book of Revelation several times, in chapter four and five there's a throne room and John has to enter it through a door. Now that throne room has come to earth. There's a sea of glass around the throne room. Now that sea is water that's flowing from the throne for the healing of the nations. I don't know how familiar you are with the Bible, but in the beginning, in Genesis, um, Adam and Eve chose to stop trusting God's good heart. That was their sin. They had been trusting his good heart and they stopped. They believed that they knew better what was good and right to worship and to do. And God left a sword guarding the Garden of Eden. Then, many, many, many chapters and centuries later, that sword came down on Jesus metaphorically when he died for us. Now, heaven descends onto this earth, and the earth becomes an Edenic city. The story of God enters a new chapter. This is the end of our Bible, but this is the beginning of a new story, and there will be no night there And I think we understand this both literally and metaphorically. I think we understand the beauty and the importance of it. The importance of light to cast away the shadows that cause us to fear both literally and metaphorically. Even our anger needs light, doesn't it? So often we're angry with other people and because of our issues with communication, we're often unable to, to really find the other person's perspective and understand their motivation and where they're coming from and we become angry and they become angry and what that needs metaphorically is light. Look at how many kinds of light there are in the room. I don't know how to describe light bulbs effectively or I would. I dropped my wedding ring about a week ago On the floor in the middle of the night because you know hands swell up at night and i kind of hurt one of my fingers and i was worried about it swelling and so i took it off in the middle of the night knocked it down and a week later this morning decided to look for it that's how i do life sorry (laughs) welcome welcome to how i stress out my staff (laughs) and did i hear an amen no um and so what did i do this morning i got down on my uh chest looking for it and i pulled out my iphone Come on. Uh, uh, there it is. Remember when iPhones first came out and this was a special app? And then with like the next update, it was like just embedded in the phone and all those app makers were like, curses! There's so many kinds of light that we need, literally and metaphorically. And I think we know that. And it's mentioned in chapter 21 and it's mentioned again in chapter 22 that when God comes down to earth, when heaven and earth collide when evil has been extracted from the world, when the destroyers are destroyed, when sin and disease and death are no more, there will be no more darkness, literally or metaphorically. What's happening in the Revelation is we're seeing our lives from the king's perspective, and at the end of the book, we're seeing the next chapter in God's redemptive plan for history in the river and the trees, which will dole out the healing of God. The river cleanses the physical world. I don't know how familiar you are with the Bible. If you read Ezekiel 47, and of all the Old Testament uh, texts that I've referenced, is because there are more Old Testament references than there are verses in the Revelation. You know what I mean? So like 403 verses, 550 references. Meaning, we can understand how John learned to understand his vision, mostly from the Old Testament anyway of all of those references ezekiel 47 tells us a lot more about this river flowing and what it does it starts out as a trickle and then they go a thousand cubits remember we have english measure and metric measure and we also have angelic measure from chapter 21 kind of fun maybe not we should maybe just have one maybe then it'll just be one system of measurement maybe the angel system will be the only system in the that'd be nice wouldn't it engineers yeah in Ezekiel 47, the river flowing from the new heavens and the new earth starts as a trickle and they go 1,000 cubits and it's up to his knee. And they go another 1,000 cubits and it's waste and another 1,000 cubits and it's, it's gotten bigger. And Ezekiel describes how it's fresh water, though there will still be salt water, and describes how there will be fishing in the new heavens and the new earth, and describes how it will begin to heal the world. This is not a bam, it's over, ending. This is... Bam, evil's gone, and now healing begins to roll over the Earth. So perhaps this afternoon, if you have nothing better to do, read Ezekiel 46, 47, and be encouraged by a more expansive picture of this. The river begins to cleanse the physical world from all the effects. Of sin and death. And the other reason I tell you that reference is not so you'll know that I prepared for this or, or so that you'll even read Ezekiel 47, but I want us to note the consistency of the scriptures. From Genesis to Revelation, the story of God's redemptive plan is interdependently consistent with itself in Isaiah, in Ezekiel, in Zechariah, in the way that Paul and Peter especially Describe That was quick. Whoever turned that off, good job. You know that all buttons turn it off. Well done. Um, the Bible's incredibly internally consistent in the way that it describes God's redemptive plan and how that the end times inform our daily life and how the end times will look. Though it doesn't satisfy all of our questions, especially with respect to timing and sequence, it's incredibly consistent. Ezekiel also saw... Uh, trees. We have a tree, the tree of life. And for John, that tree was on either side of the river because it was so expansive. The tree and the water flow out from the new heavens and the new earth, offering nourishment and healing for all of the wounds of history, for all the wounds of sin and disease and death and what the beast accomplished and what the second beast accomplished. This isn't the end, though it is the last chapter. Good job for those of you that have listened to 22 chapters of Revelation. It took us almost an hour and a half. That's how long it takes me to read it, so I'm assuming that's how long it took us to read it. You listen to the words. According to chapter one, you are blessed for having heard all the words of the Revelation. But don't let the fact that it's the end of the Bible lead us to miss something. This is a whole new chapter that will be on the foundations of this earth. Your life here matters and will continue to matter into eternity and will continue to inform who we are and who the world is in the new heavens and the new earth. Make no mistake because it is in the text. What does the river and the trees and the city do? Heal the nations. Can you even imagine it? Do you know about all the kidnapping and death that's going on in Nigeria right now? Can you imagine that being healed? Can you picture the water reaching that part of the world and from the leaves of the trees, it being healed as a nation? The destroyers are gone. That's Armageddon pictured in multiple chapters of the Revelation from different vantage points, same event, and now it's being healed. We don't know a lot of what's going on in China, but we, do, we can tell that they are afraid Of how many people there are followers of Jesus. It's not just Christians, they're also punishing Muslims. And we know a fraction of what's happening there. Can you imagine China being healed by the waters of the new heavens and the new earth through the leaves of the tree of life? Can you picture the racism of this country being healed through the waters flowing from the throne and from the tree? Can you picture the decades ago horrific genocide in Rwanda being healed by the people of God and the water flowing from the throne and the power of the leaves of the tree of life? That is what's happening here and it is incredibly challenging to our imaginations, which is why the book is so wild in the visions that John saw. The destruction has stopped in Armageddon And now there's healing. And one of the reasons I continue to preach Revelation through Advent is because, O come, O come, Emmanuel, does not make any sense unless we understand the tension of the song, that sin and disease and death are still here. So we need the second Advent. We're gonna sing Joy to the World in a few minutes, and the song makes no sense unless there is tangible, promised hope. Hope. That he will return and put things to rights then it is a glorious and delightful song those of you that struggle with Christmas music not joy to the world I know I can't fix it if you don't like Christmas music but through our hymns we sing some of our most profound theology and especially around Christmas time the tension of the good news that we receive in Jesus' incarnation and the beautiful promises of chapter 22 that we do not receive yet but our promises. We're seeing the promises of God in in Revelation 22 in the river and in the trees and in the presence of God. And you know, God's presence is always a comfort and it's always uh, nerve-wracking. It's always a stressor Most of the time when either God speaks to someone or an angel appears or even Jesus is showing some of his earthly power, what's the first thing he has to say? What's the first thing the angel has to say? What's the first thing that God will say? Fear not. And Revelation presents to us uh, every chapter just about challengingly beautiful images and challengingly harsh images. And it's because God's presence is a comfort and a warning It's a comfort because of his love and yet it's a warning because he's going to describe to us a life of life that's not intuitive and it's going to challenge us, right? If you've ever looked at more than two or three or four of the commands of God that are always in light of his love, they are going to challenge us. And if you haven't been challenged by God about how you live, I'm gonna say you're not familiar with the text. And similarly here in Revelation, there's a warning to those that do not keep the words of the prophecy. At the same time, John's very self-aware that this was going to end the New Testament. It's fascinating. Daniel's told to seal up his prophecy. It's the Old Testament book, the second half of which is probably the most similar to Revelation, depending upon a bunch of things. John is fully aware that this is gonna conclude the canon of, not the weapon, you know, the group of books of Christian scripture. I know you all know that. It's just fun to say, you know, to reference a canon, right? Reminds me a little bit in a, in a, a backwards way of, of how some writers, I don't think the Apostle Paul or the Apostle Peter expected their letters to matter for more than a couple of decades because, verse 7 and 12 and 20, it's going to happen soon. C.S. Lewis, in one of his interviews that you can actually watch because it was televised, he laughed when someone said, do you think your work will last? He's like, probably for five years max, which is pretty funny now. This is 50 years ago. Different than that, John knew that this was going to last. And in addition to scripture being so cohesive from Genesis to Revelation, I want you to know that these books, almost immediately after the Revelation being written, were passed around, the groups of 27 books that are in the New Testament. And I say that because one of the criticisms of Christianity was the canon wasn't formed until the 4th century. It's not true. The canon was authorized in the fourth century because it stopped being illegal to say Jesus is Lord. But right after this, churches started to cast out letters that were clearly not written by Paul or by John, and they grouped these 27 books together because they believed John when he said, don't add to this work or subtract it, and keep it. The presence of God, though, in, in, as pictured in Revelation 22, is a healing grace to the world, though it makes us uncomfortable. The warnings and the disc- it was verse 11, by the way, is that is that Revelation language for UBU? You know that statement that some of you probably love and some of you probably hate. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Maybe next time someone says UBU, you say that back to them. See what happens. Good idea. Bad idea. Bad. Thanks, Jerry. But the presence of God is a healing grace to the world. And again, a reminder that this is free, not to Jesus, but to us. Our receiving of the love of God is not because we do spiritual practices. None of our spiritual practices merit anything before God. He pursues us and calls us his own and loves us because he is he and you are you. And there it is again reminded to us, the one who desires take the water of life without price. We see the promises in the river and the tree and the presence of Christ who pursues. He says he's coming soon and Jesus spoke about that in parables. Paul and Peter described it in their letters Martin Luther was once asked What are you going to do If you find out that Jesus Is coming back tomorrow Does anybody know what he said? Go plant a tree Which I think is a fabulous response Because he understood that When apocalyptic And especially eschatological literature Apocalyptic means something's uncovered Eschatol Like crockpot, right? Eschatology Crockpot cooking is apocalyptic cooking You all know that, right? <laughs> Eschatology is anti- It is Because of the steam You can't see it then you pop it open in the Ah right? Thank you. Now you're all nodding. It's interactive. It's interactive Fourth Advent Sunday. Apocalyptic literature often talks about the urgency, and the urgency is for us to not miss opportunities for love and justice and reconciliation and relationships and healing and peace and forgiveness. And Martin Luther understood that, but he also understood that we're not to be hasty about that. Your friend who you've been talking with about Jesus don't wait to talk about them but don't press in unkindly you don't need to bowl them over Jesus says he's coming soon and he echoed that in his earthly ministry and Paul and Peter talk about the the urgency of it it's not an urgency that we need to do these things quickly these things being act like a christian but it is we do not wait we don't wait to be generous we don't wait to utilize our words for good and not for evil. And that's where the word keep comes in. This is a very important word. Anytime someone's talking in the, in the New Testament about um, end time stuff, they're gonna talk about continue or keep. Or, and there's an urgency to the way they write about it because it's, urgently, it's urgent for us in our week. Here's what keep means. It means in light of how much Jesus loves you, love others. This week, someone's going to gossip to you. And gossip is a true story that's not yours to tell. And you're going to avoid the gossip, not because it's annoying, though it might be. You're going to avoid the gossip, not though that, not because it's the right thing to do, though that's true. You're going to avoid the gossip because Jesus has been so kind to you in reconciling, him, in reconciling you to himself. And so you're going to avoid it as an act of love towards him and towards neighbor. Sometime this week, Your spouse is going to annoy you, and you're like, "It's already happened four times." (laughs) And you're going to move back towards them, not because you want to feel the inloveness back, though that's nice. Not because the room needs to. I just mess up the whole room. Do you guys need a minute? Everybody should get ready to go get a drink of water. I just see all all sorts of elbowing, and anyway, it's fine. It's fine. You're going to move back towards your spouse, not because you want peace in the house, though that's nice. Not because you want the inloveness back, though that's nice. You're gonna move back towards them because Jesus moved towards you. Before you could do a thing, he moved towards you in love because he loves you and calls you his own and did all of that work on the cross to reconcile you to the Father. That's what it means to keep. This week, you're gonna have a challenging moment with a family member. They're gonna say something really obnoxious at a family gathering. You guys not have family like me? No amens about this? And you're going to take a breath, and you're going to take a few minutes, and then you're going to lovingly confront them on it. Lovingly. (laughs) And if they're going after someone else in the family, maybe you step in between the aggressor and the one who's not going to say anything for them. You're not going to do it because they're annoying. You're not going to do it because what they said was ridiculous. You're not going to do it because you're fired up inside. You're going to do it because of Jesus' pursuing love and your longing for the family to be at peace because of his love. Your kid is going to do something really dumb this week. And you're not going to grab them. You're going to lean down and you're going to say their name. And that you love them and nothing will ever change that. And then... Remind them not to hit their sister. And you're gonna do it that way not because it's a good way of disciplining your child. And you're gonna do it that way not because it's the right thing to do. You're gonna do it that way because Jesus so lovingly calls us back to himself. And that's what it means to keep the words of this prophecy And then there is a very, very sweet and a very bitter promise nestled into this chapter. I've actually wept about twice during this worship service because preaching and pastoring here is a tremendous honor. Did you catch the word recompense? That's an important New Testament word. It comes up a similar idea in Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus says that there are rewards for those who follow him, which is a little counterintuitive for us in the way we understand grace, and yet Jesus is very comfortable with it, and the revelation is very comfortable with it. Jesus is not only promising to return to the earth and set things to rights, he's saying that the story of the world and your story and mine will be fully healed and interpreted and recompensed. If you wonder why the book is so visually stunning, it is because to imagine our story and the story of the world not only being told right, not only being healed, but then given back to us two, five, tenfold the sufferings we have experienced. That's the promise of the revelation. Can you imagine it? I have trouble with that. Not, I'm, not trouble, but tr- like letting it grip me that the earth will be healed of all the evil done to it. That my story could be told correctly, that yours would be told correctly, that the suffering that has happened to you not only will be understood, but will be healed and then recompensed to five 10 times. An incredible incredible promise. And it explains our songs that we are joyful that Jesus has reconciled us to the Father and yet we would like for him to return. O come o come O come Emmanuel and ransom captive Israel Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we know that you have purchased joy for us. And yet there's so much in this world that distracts us from it. There's so much in this world that has not yet been fully touched by your joy. There is so much that harms and destroys We trust that you will destroy the destroyers and usher in your new heavens and your new earth. In the meantime, Lord, we need your help to experience the joy available to us through the Holy Spirit. Help us to gaze at these lights and remember that you are the light of the world that will never leave us or forsake us. Help us, Lord, to trust and be gripped by your great love which not only has ransomed us back to God already, but will eventually ransom the whole earth. If you continue to delay your return, Jesus, we're going to need your help in the meantime. Amen.